Beloved brothers, sisters, would you open your copy of God's holy word to Psalm 23? Psalm 23. As we, for the month of January, as I said, for this month of January, we've begun this year, and we, we will get back to Romans, that is our intent, uh, that solid theology and, and for our, our minds and our souls, but I, I wanted to begin this, I wanted to begin this year by setting our affections and our focus on the, our good shepherd. Because brethren, I think what you and I need, well, this congregation needs, certainly what I need, my family needs, and I believe all you need, more than anything right now, is we need to, uh, we need to step hard into the reality of being sheep and the shepherd of the good shepherd and all that that means. What it means to trust in him, to follow him, to be satisfied in him. Because brethren, as we see in this psalm, those that trust in the Lord, they will find that they shall not want. They will find that goodness and steadfast love, covenant love will follow them and surround them all the days of their life. So brethren, if you would today, let's stand together. I'm going to read the psalm real quickly and then we'll focus on verse 4. Please stand for the hearing of God's word. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brethren, this is the good word of the Lord. May He take it for our increase of faith and joy in Him. You may be seated. You ever been in a, you know, let's say in a big metropolitan area, a big city, maybe downtown where there's tall buildings all around you and been going down a street and... You ever found yourself in a situation where you, you pass by and, you, and there's an alley and it's maybe a dark alley, <laughs> right? I think we've all experienced that. And you look down that alley, maybe there's some doors down there on the back sides of buildings and maybe some faint lights down that alley, but there's a lot of darkness down that alley. Now, if you've been like me in the time in the past, I, I can see that. And it's like maybe what I was down there for and my car is on the opposite side of that building and my inclination then is to walk all the way around the outside of the building the long way to get to my car rather than to go down that alley. <laughs> and the reason is because you and I know when you look down that dark alley, there are, as it were, there's uncertainty. There may be lurking danger down there. You just don't know what nefarious things people may be lurking in the dark shadows would want to do things you can't see, right? 
We, we intuitively sense potential danger there. Maybe you're the sort that's like, you know, I've got my Glock on, whatever, I'm just going to go down there. Maybe so. But brethren, we understand intuitively about the reality of lurking, hidden danger, uncertainties about what is to come and the path that the Lord, that, that, then the path ahead of us. And that, that's kind of an image, if you were, I just described to you an alley, but Psalm 23, 4 describes to you a valley. And that's how sheep would have felt. The image here, as we'll see, is the one where the shepherd, every, what would happen is during the winter, he would, they would bring the sheep down to lower, lower lands, where it's warmer, and for the winter they would provide for them there in the lower pastures. But as it began to warm, the shepherds would lead their sheep up into the hills. Right? And there would be greener, fertile pastures. It would be cooler up in the hills. But on the trek up to those hills, up into those, maybe even the mountains, to the greener pastures that were ahead, the living waters that the sheep would need in the summertime, to get there, as we're going to see, they would have to go through, and the shepherd would lead them through valleys. And the, and the Hebrew word that we're going to see for valleys here, this isn't kind of maybe sort of the thing that you imagine like at the beginning of, you know, the sound of music, just, you know, wide, wide valleys, lush. No, this is the kind of valley with, that's long, narrow, with steep cliffs on the side. The sort of place where predators, wolves, you know, that sort of thing could be looking down places where, you know, much of the day there's not as much sun getting down there right? Intimidating places for the sheep. But brethren, the good shepherd knows that up those hills, there is good pasture. And there's an abundance of light when they get there. And so he will lead the sheep through those steep cliffs, those valleys, where potential lurking danger is watching from above. He will lead them there. And the sheep, as we're going to see here that David says, they can do so with confidence. Yes, maybe there are wolves up there that like mutton very much. (laughs) But my good shepherd is with me and he has a rod, he has a staff, he knows how to use them and he will defend me and get me to his place of blessing. Brethren, that's the image here, Psalm 23, 4. All of us have things that are going on probably, I guarantee you, right now in your lives. If I was to ask you and say, are there things that you sense potential uncertainties of what is to come? Potential lurking dangers in the shadows that you can't see ahead. Brethren, this psalm is right where we need to be. As we face the things to come, that we can do so without fear and faith, with confidence and comfort. Because the reality you and I need to know is this, is that our Lord Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, our capable shepherd, our wise shepherd, His presence and His power and authority with us and for us is freely available and with us through the ministry of His Holy Spirit and the comfort of His Word, the Word of God the words of our good shepherd as we hear his voice and we follow him. We can truly say 
that we will not be afraid, for God is with us. The Lord is my light in dark places, as Psalm 27 said. Whom do I have to fear? The Lord, He is the defender of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Nothing, not even death, brethren, can separate you and I from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's just consider two key things today. Number one, first part of verse 4. Because you're wise and you're good shepherd, Jesus Christ, Jehovah, because He is always with you, He would have you to find comfort in His presence and to fear no evil, no calamity. That word evil there in the Hebrew is the, more, is the basic word. It has the idea not just of malignity, it includes that, but it's calamity, disaster, right? Whether it's natural disasters or disasters of men or whatever, he would not have us to fear and to live in terror of, of what may lurk ahead in the shadows and the deep places through which he leads us. Our shepherd, as I mentioned, he wisely leads his sheep, first of all, to the best places. I want to reiterate that again. The reason why the shepherd would lead his flock through the valleys is because the valleys actually, if you consider for going up the high cliffs, right, into the higher areas where there's pastures and there's uh, flatlands up there, you know, again, this maybe this is more like what you think of like the beginning of Sound of Music, you know, where there's these green valleys that are up, but you've got to go up. And the simplest, the, the, the best slope, the one that's easiest for the sheep to traverse is not going straight up the side of a cliff, is it? It's going to be to go through the, you know, the switchbacks, through the valleys. That's easier on the sheep. Sheep can't just climb. They're not mountain goats. They can't climb straight up the sides of the cliffs. So the Lord, the good shepherd, he's leading the sheep to better places, cooler places in the summertime, places where it's going to be green and lush, higher, better pastures. Reminded of the words of that old hymn. I grew up in a Baptist context. I love my Baptist brethren. You remember that old hymn, Higher Ground? I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift, lead me up. Let me stand by faith on heaven's tableland. I think that tableland at, at that plateaus and those higher hills, those green pastures. A higher plain than I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Brethren, that's the idea. The Lord is leading His people onward and upward, always onward and upward. So first thing I would ask you by way of application, saints, is your commitment, is your, is your heart yearning, as that hymn says, Lord, lead me to higher ground. Can you say with the Apostle Paul that I, my, my single-hearted greatest goal is that I may know Him and the fellowship of His sufferings, right, and the joy of His presence, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Lord, whatever it takes, wherever you have to lead me, that I may feed more and more on the green grass of the Word of God, that I may drink deeply of the living waters of the Spirit and be more conformed to Christ, more joy and satisfied in the goodness and the fullness of the living God for me at all times. Lord, do what you have to do. Lead me where you have to go because that's the goal. Lord, I want to be on higher ground. 
Brethren, the, the Lord also, though the good shepherd, not only does he lead them to best places, as I said, he leads them, he leads them by the best path. As I said, that you may think, well, that, that, that steep valley with those cliffs, that doesn't seem like the best path intuitively, but it is. It's the one with the lightest slope. It's the one that the sheep are most readily able to traverse. Even though this, yes, there's steep cliffs on the side, and it may be deep and long in places. And as it said here, it's a valley of the shadow of death. And what it means by that is, I know some people have applied this psalm. You know, it's like, the, you know, it's a good and comforting psalm when people are on the point of about to pass into the Lord. There's a good application there. This is an appropriate psalm, certainly, to consider when you're on your deathbed and you're about to be in the presence of the Lord. But the, the image here is the idea of going through a valley where there is death lurking above you, potential danger, where there's wolves and stuff that are down there salivating uh, on, on the sheep in the valley below and, and they're lurking in the shadows. There's valley, it's, a, it's a valley where there's death, potential death, potential danger all around, whether from predators, wolves, or from falling rocks, you know, cliffs. There's also the danger, if you, as I was studying this, as you go through these valleys, uh, oftentimes there will be sudden storms. And you know, with steep, steep valleys, you can get torrents of water pouring through there. Uh, there's points in, where there's not a lot of light because of the steep canyon walls. There's dangers there, potential, lurking. It, you, the idea of the valley of the shadow of potential death, of calamity. Brethren, but as I said, you know what's interesting about these valleys, though, too, is that as the shepherd leads his sheep up there, you know, as the water at the higher grounds, as the rains come up there, you know what it does? The rains come and they go right down through the valleys. And so you go through these, these high, high valleys with these steep cliffs. There's invariably streams going down there, though, for the sheep to drink. There's plentiful water in these valleys. There's also, in these valleys, there's... Always, because of the water, there's always good forage. You want to get, you're not going to get forage on the cliffs and the mountain slopes, the rocky cliffs, but there will be forage for the sheep in those valleys. There will be green grass alongside those streams. So, brethren, even though the ways are high and there's valleys of the shadows of lurking danger, in the midst of those valleys, there's green pastures. There's waters there in the midst of those, even as you're going to higher ground. Do you see it? Brethren, that's the idea. He leads them by the way that's going to, that, even that difficult way in the valley of the shadow of lurking imminent danger, the Lord, he provides lushly. And the shepherd knows that there is going to be sufficient supply for the sheep to traverse that. He has not left them without help. And your, your, your good shepherd will not leave you without help, brethren. Maybe the storms will come while you're even going through the valley. I can assure you, the Lord, your good shepherd, knows where the, how to hide his sheep in the cleft of the rock in those cliffs until the storms pass. He knows how to lead you by those living waters that we talked about, even in the valleys, and green grass and forage, even in those, those high valleys where there's death all around. And he leads us with full preparation, as I said, for any evil and calamity. My wife... As you know, we have a, a preparedness ministry to help people with uh, basic uh, preparedness and disaster preparedness. And that's not a bad thing. That's not contrary to faith. That actually is according to faith, I would say. Uh, we can't prepare for everything, and our hope is ultimately it's clearly in the Lord. But there is wisdom in having some basic, <laughs> some basic things ready for the rainy day or for the storms that come, being able to take care of your family. But the idea is this, is that to use the analogy... <laughs> 
our good shepherd, his, when he leads the sheep up in these valleys, he's got a very well-supplied bug-out bag. <laughs> he will take with him ointment. As we're going to see in verse 5 when he anoints the head with oil. He's going to take with them the, the things that he'll need to apply to the sheep's skin. You know, the shepherd would go up there with his rod and staff, but he's also got a bag with him of some basic things that he knows the sheep will need to help him take care of them. He already knows, as I said, where the clefts of the rock are. If the sudden storms come to sheep, he's going to lead them right over there into that cleft until it passes. The good shepherd is prepared for whatever evils and calamities. He knows where to shelter and how to heal and how to help his sheep even as they're going through the valleys and to comfort them there. He is prepared. Brethren, because of these things, the application is this. We, brethren, we ought not to fear evil, not to fear calamities, whether natural or from men, because, brethren, seen or unseen, are you going through the valley right now? Are you afraid that there may be a valley in your imminent future, lurking danger, things unknown that you can't control? This is really on-the-ground stuff, isn't it? Brethren, that's exactly the place. Rather than cowering in fear to say, I'm stepping hard into the presence of my strong and good Savior, my shepherd. His presence is my comfort and my help. I can face whatever tomorrow brings. I can face whatever's coming. I can face the evil of men or evil of circumstances, the calamities, whatever, my good shepherd will lead me through. I am safe and secure in his love and his protection. Brethren, that's my yearning for you. I just want to quote to you something here from F.B. Meyer. He says, Faith, which is trust, and fear are opposite poles. If a man has the one, he can scarcely have the other in vigorous operation. He that has his trust set upon God does not need, yea, must not dread anything except the weakening or paralyzing of that trust. Let me say that again. One who has set his trust on God, the only thing he needs to fear is anything that would cause him to trust the Lord less. Right? Lord, whatever else happens, may my faith not waver in you. The just will live... And walk by faith. Brethren, if our trust is in God, it is, it is unworthy of it and of us to fear. For all things are His, he says. And there is no evil, no calamity as men call it, no evil as men call it, so long as it does not draw away our hearts from our Father and our hope in Jesus Christ. Therefore, he that fears, let him trust. He that trusts, let him not be afraid. He that sets his heart and anchors his hope of safety on anything except God... Let him be afraid, for he is in a very stern world. And if he is not fearful, he is a fool, unless he has anchored his trust on the rock of Christ. But he that has anchored his trust on the rock of Christ, let him not fear. Brethren, that's my heart for you as your pastor today. I know that there's going to be things coming, maybe already have, things that are probably in your way, not far ahead of you this year, things that you can't predict calamities, disasters, trials, testings. We prayed earlier in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, lead us not into testings. That's what that word means. 
And while we do rightly ask, Lord, I pray that you would not lead me into many valleys because I know I'm weak and I know I'm prone to wander and I'm prone to fail. Lord, if you must lead me through valleys, give me and fortify my faith that it waver not, that I hold fast to you and I traverse it. And I see your goodness in the land of the living. Brethren, that's the idea. And secondly, lastly, second point, to traverse valleys that are in the shadow of death and evil circumstances or evil doers in our lives. To do that without fear, we need to seek and find comfort not only in our shepherd's presence, but also in his power and his authority. And that gets to the second part of the verse. He says there, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Brethren, first thing to see here is that our shepherd comforts our souls and he curbs our fears, as David says, with his rod. What do I mean by his rod? Well, shepherds, I was reading about this this week, shepherds actually what they would typically do is they cut a sapling uh, branch off of a younger tree. They would actually cut it at the roots. And they have these, they tend to have big uh, balls of, of wood, fiber at the end, where they join to the uh, root underground. And they would take that and then they would take it and shape it down until it was like a, uh, and, and, and the, the pole until it was kind of a long pole. And it would have this big ball of root on the end, of wood on the end. So, you know, kind of like a club with a big lap on the end. And you could hit with it, defend with it, or it was also good because you could toss it and toss and throw and hit enemies, and that would hit them very hard, <laughs> even from a distance. The rod here then speaks of the shepherd's power, right? It speaks of, his, it speaks of the authority of his power to defend his sheep against prey. If the wolf comes and attacks in the middle of that valley and he comes down, the shepherd has a rod and he can whack that wolf upside his head or he can toss that and poof. When there's danger, he can defend the sheep. But also, the rod was used, particularly, and we'll distinguish that from the staff in a minute, but the rod, if you had a sheep that was being stubborn and belligerent, now, again, there's, staff is more for sheep that are wandering and being foolish. But when you had a st- sheep that was just being stubborn, belligerent, and he was determined that he was going to go off the way down that cliff to his peril, or as sheep tend to do, as we've mentioned previously, sheep that were butting up against other sheep, whacking the sheep, <laughs> right? The shepherd will take that rod and without crushing the sheep, he will take that and give it a good solid <laughs> whack and that sheep who is being stubborn belligerent damaging destructive to the herd or that enemy are going to feel the not they're going to feel the authority of that shepherd they're going to remember who's in charge they're going to remember who is controlling and running this outfit who's the shepherd of the sheep and he will defend from predators from outside as well as those who are preying on the sheep inside we think both in terms of the Lord defending, but even I just would have you to think here too about the discipline of the Lord. Remember the words of the Lord with regard to us a bit different, my, uh, discipline. When the Lord does discipline us, how do you receive that? And maybe, I, maybe I've been stubborn. I've had times in my life where I've been a little more stubborn than others. Or my heart hasn't been right. 
I've experienced some of this discipline in my life. And when Hebrews says, my child, my son, do not despise the chastening, the discipline of the Lord. Why? For whom the Lord loves, the sheep he chastens. Right? He chastens because he loves you. Because he wants you, as Hebrews 12 says, that you would bear the peaceable fruits of righteousness. That you would be conformed unto his holiness for your joy and a blessing to yourself and a blessing to the flock of Christ. So I'm going to say this both to children who you experience when your mom and dad maybe have to use the rod (laughs) of discipline. But I'll say this to us adults too whom the Lord times will use the word of the Spirit to discipline us. Brethren, is your heart tender to the discipline of the Lord? Can you say before the Lord, Lord Jesus, chasten me if need be. Do what you must. Prune me like the vine dresser does. But the dead wood in my life, anything in my life that is hurting your name, that is harming your people or harming me, that does not tend towards holiness, does not tend towards righteousness, does not tend towards joy and blessing in the Lord. Lord, would you, if need be, if I am being a stubborn sheep, would you take your rod and don't beat me down because you're a good shepherd, but would you not hesitate to whack me if I need? Because, Lord, I don't want to go astray. I want to walk in the paths of righteousness. I want to be a blessing to your people and blessed in you. Brethren, I would encourage you, exhort you as your pastor, not only don't despise the chastening of the Lord, but embrace it. God chastens those whom he loves. Good shepherd chastens. He will use that wad on the tush of that sheep. And sheep have thick wool, so he may need to whack it pretty hard for the sheep to get the point. But brethren, he will do that because he so loves the flock and that sheep individually. Jesus laid down his life for that sheep. He will use his rod also to count the sheep. Right? The shepherd would use his rod to actually have the sheep go under the rod. And he, as they would pass under the rod, he would count them. One, two, three, four. And you think of that passage in Luke 15. The good shepherd, he is not Hundred sheep, he has 99 there, but he's got one he can't find. What does he do? He goes and he searches. He leaves the 99 there, and he's going to go search for that one. Not a one missing. What does Jesus say? All that the Father has given me will come to me. He that comes to me, I will no wise cast out. You know, he says he knows and calls his sheep by name. Brethren, that's the way the good shepherd is. That rod is comfort to the sheep because he knows that even if he gets lost... Maybe he's lost his way, wandered off in his folly, following his own appetites. The good shepherd is going to be counting every afternoon, every evening. He's going to be counting those sheep. And if there's one that's missing, if that sheep knows, I didn't go under the rod because my good shepherd is going to know it and he's going to come search me out. Does that bring comfort? It brings comfort to me. When I stray out of the path to know a good shepherd is going to know it if I'm missing and he's going to come seek and search and save the lost. As I said, it's a defense and a deterrent as well. When you've got wolves coming to attack the sheep, to feast on the sheep, them knowing that 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 shepherd has that rod, that the good shepherd is going to defend his people, 
So, brethren, we need to call upon the Lord. Lord, good shepherd, I feel like there's wolves. I'm being wrongly attacked. We're, we prayed just now in our brother Paul Vaughn, right, who has got wolves salivating over him, even though he did righteousness and he has sought to do right. It is right to say, good shepherd, defend our brother. Use that rod and smack down those that would do evil against him for your name's sake. And he also comforts us then lastly with his staff. You know the shepherd's staff. We've all seen that. You know the stick and it's got the crook on the end. How is that comfort, brethren? Here's how that's comfort to you. Because the shepherd, the good shepherd, he uses that staff not for discipline but for direction. You know, that crook on the end, if the sheep is not gone, you know, if the sheep is going down off the cliff and wandering out to his peril, he may have to use the rod to get his attention. But when you have a sheep that's still in sight, but he's just getting a little bit out of the way, you know what the shepherd does? He takes that, that staff and he just goes over and uses that crook on the end, just kind of gently brings that sheep back. And the sheep is comforted by that because he knows he can't go out of his shepherd's sight. The shepherd is always watching. And what I found interesting, I, I was reading this week too, is that the shepherd will actually use the staff, like the rod, to actually part the sheep's wool. They'll take and use that to get down in the sheep's wool because, as I said, that wool is thick and matted oftentimes, and parasites and ticks and things that would hurt the sheep literally suck its life, destroy it, or down in there. So the shepherd will use that staff to part the wool so he can get his hands down in there and preserve the sheep from those things. And lastly, what was really interesting is the shepherd actually, I found this amazing that so often the shepherd will actually just take his staff, almost like an extension of his arm, and he will just take, when he has sheep that have been affrighted, sheep are easily affrighted, right? He will take and just simply hold that sheep, that she- hold that staff, just hold it up against the sheep's wool. And the sheep is calmed just because they feel the staff rubbing against them and they know that that staff is connected to the shepherd's arm. The shepherd is watching and he is there. Brethren, that's how the Lord's staff comforts you. His power and his presence for you. Does it comfort you to know that your good shepherd is always watching you (laughs) and that he is for you? He's a good shepherd. He's a kind shepherd. And he's leading you to better places. So brethren, here's what I want you to consider as we close, okay? For those of us who, like myself, who are sheepish sheep, any sheepish sheep in this room? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. (laughs) I want you to Today, here's some very practical counsel. Articulate your fears. You know, sometimes we struggle. It's like we're afraid of unknown lurking dangers. Sometimes just to stop, calm yourself in the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, search my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in me, like Psalm 30 says, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, I am afraid of this. Get a pen, get a paper, maybe write it down. Or today in our digital age, maybe send yourself an email or a text reminder. I don't know. But write down and articulate, Lord, this is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that this may happen or this may happen. I'm afraid that this could happen. There's lurking dangers and there's darkness and I don't know what's ahead. 
write it down and lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to not fear. Pray over those things. Take them into that inner room and just say, Lord, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm asking you to fortify my faith and my good shepherd that you are with me. Your rod and staff will comfort me as I go ahead into the unknown that's ahead of me. That's an application. Take your fears captive to the obedience of Christ, the obedience of faith. Lord Jesus, I will not fear for thou art with me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Lord, he is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I stead and dread? Remember how Psalm 27 goes, Though an army should come against me, I will not fear. Though 10,000 set themselves against me, even in this will I be confident. Though war rise up against me, I will not be afraid. Remember how the psalmist says he finds his comfort? Verse 4 of chapter 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that also will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord, to joy and rest in His goodness. Brethren, I assure you, the tabernacle of the Lord and His presence is with you, even in that valley. You can go and you can see and savor the beauty and the goodness and the sufficiency of the Lord, no matter where you are. Faith does not necessarily eliminate all evils and all enemies in your lives. Rather, brethren, faith gives us the grace to overcome them. Strong in the Lord's presence and the power of His might. Clothed in the armor of God. It's the people who are praying. I just remind you, Jesus said to His people, His disciples, Peace I live with, leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And then His, In the world you will have you will have tribulations. You can count on it. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then lastly, by way of application for all of us, we're not just sheep, but as I like to say, we're also sheepherds. <laughs> Meaning you have people that you are called in the Lord to shepherd under your authority. As a pastor, I have souls in this congregation that I am accountable to the Lord to shepherd, to watch as a watcher over your souls, as Hebrews says. You parents, the Lord has entrusted to you children, and He's called you to shepherd them even as you are sheep in the shepherd's fold. So I just want to give you these three things. Are you imitating by faith, striving to imitate Christ's motive? Is your shepherding of your children driven by the kind of deep love and care for their souls and lives and for the flourishing of their flock that Jesus has for his flock? If not, repent of that and say, Lord, help me to have Jesus' motive and to see my children the way the good shepherd sees his flock and to deal with them. Secondly, not only with the motive, but the manner. The good shepherd has wisdom in seeking out spiritual sustenance, gently, patiently, prayerfully leading his sheep to it. Guiding them even through dark and deep places. He uses the staff when the heart is tender and teachable. He uses the rod when the heart is unrepentant. But brethren, are we using Christ's manner? Not beating the sheep, but rather using the rod and the staff to build up the sheep and to move them towards Jesus. To love Christ 
find Christ. And then lastly, are you imitating his means? Are you comforting the sheep with your presence and your power for their good? When you're around your children or me as a pastor, can you, I have to ask this. Do the sheep fear me? Are you afraid? You cower in fear? Oh no, the pastor, he's got that rod and staff. Or does your rod and staff bring them comfort? Because yes, you have authority in their lives. You have power in their lives. But is that proving a comfort to them or is that proving something which brings fear? Brethren, I want you to shepherd those in your authority, under your authority, as one that has, yes, real authority. I have rod and staff. I'm a shepherd over you. And because of that, they can say, I will not fear because my mom, my dad, like Jesus, they are for me and they love me. And they will guide me, but they don't beat me, but they guide me and they lead me to my souls. And their chief and highest end is that I would know and love and trust and obey and savor Jesus Christ. Right? That's the point. So brethren, we have a good shepherd. I pray that he will give us the grace to be good sheep, faithful sheep, trusting sheep in his fold. And by grace, with Jesus in you, that you will give him the grace to be good shepherds in his name. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage. Lord, there are always lurking dangers in the shadows ahead. Lord, we don't know what is to come today, next week, next month, this year. Lord, there is potential calamity all around us. Lord, there are evil men, evildoers that hate righteousness, that hate us that don't honor and fear your name. Lord, there are things going on circumstantially that could threaten to undo us, but as we said earlier in our opening hymn, we will not fear for God has willed your truth to triumph through us. So Lord God, we pray today, I just simply ask for my brethren here, for your sheep, your fold. Lord God, fortify our faith. Fortify our comfort in Christ. Pray that more than ever before we will trust Him. We will know more and more to take everything to the Lord in prayer. That we will sense more and more the reality of His pervasive, powerful, good presence with us and we will not fear. Lord, help us, we pray. For we ask for these good gifts in Jesus' name. Amen.